Hello, and welcome back to Arena On Air. We're back from our summer vacation with brand new topics and interviews just for you. This episode of Arena On Air is a pretty special one. Last week, Christian Gregory, the late Dick Gregory's son, joined us for a post-show discussion after a performance of Turn Me Loose. Turn Me Loose is an exuberant and raw tribute to Gregory's life as a civil rights activist, comic genius, and unapologetic provocateur, and is currently playing now through October 21st at Arena Stage. Christian Gregory and performers Edwin Lee Gibson, who plays Dick Gregory on stage, and John Carlin sat down with literary manager Nason Modgani to talk about the life and legacy of Dick Gregory. The conversation was really interesting. Christian Gregory talked about what it was like growing up in the Gregory household and about the legacy of his father. And the audience had a lot of wonderful things to say about the production and Gregory himself. We could keep talking about the conversation, but why don't we just let you listen for yourselves? We hope you enjoy this live episode of Arena On Air. And don't forget to let us know how much you love the podcast by using the hashtag Arena On Air. So Christian, I wanted just to start, if you could just um, you know, introduce yourself. So everybody knows. Absolutely. So I'm Christian Gregory, uh, with 10 Gregory children, we frequently refer to ourselves as numbers. I'm number eight in the family, the, uh, affectionately known as one of the three little guys. So um, uh, I'm a chiropractor here in Washington, D.C. I'm on a sh- uh, year or so leave of absence because I oversee my dad's estate, and there's a tremendous amount of projects I'm excited to say we're involved with, one of them being the wonderful play that you just experienced. And for me, I don't really... Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. For me, it's not really a play. It's just it's an extension of my father's life. So I'm here so frequently. I consult on this project, and I sit in the back and just absorb the laughter when my dad was on the road and he entertained many of these jokes. Especially later in life, we worked on together. We developed, and we'd sit and just watch incredible amounts of news and extract material from that. In I was born in 1970. I know I'm answering a lot more than what you just asked, and I apologize for that, but I, I am a Gregory. Um, I, was, I was born in 1970, so a lot of what's depicted in this play, I wasn't born. So just the absolute blessing to be like a fly on the wall, traveling back in time, to experience that. And I can extract from the relationship that I, I had with my I have with my father, because it continues, and it's a wonderful relationship that a lot of the things I see here, I know for a fact that's how he would have responded to it because we're, as as humans, we evolve, we get older, things change, but at our core, we're still the same. And so much of the the difficulty that he had with the N-word, he used it so frequently because he had such a troubled relationship with it growing up in 1932 and how he would have been introduced to the word. And for a lifetime, he didn't want to allow the word to define him and what he would say he wanted to defang it. That's really what he meant. So now, in, you know, we have the luxury in 2018 and tossing and turning and being uncomfortable with it. But when you look at it through the lens that he lived his life through, it makes a lot of it start to make sense. And when you get a little easier with not the nastiness of the word, but how he's utilizing it, it really penetrates through you in a different way. And I still see that from his first book, 
all the way through to now watching it. And everyone, you were a wonderful audience. I'm not just saying that. I don't know if it's the 12 noon audience, but it's just an entirely different energy here. So I wanted to thank all of you as well. So sorry, I don't talk too long, but go right ahead. The entire purpose of this session is for you to talk. So nothing to remind you. Careful. Um, so the first question I had was just, um, as, uh, as your father's manager and now the executive of his estate, uh, I was wondering if you could speak to his and your relationship with this play uh, and how it came to be. I've, absolutely. So I've said this before. Um, Gretchen Law, who's just a phenomenal writer, who's the playwright of this play, um, she stitched together my dad's life. What you see up here really wasn't written, it was recorded. And so, um, and you know, my, they took my dad's life and almost it turned into a cliff note. And so you just get the power without all of the filler. And it's just so powerful to see it that way. So we were involved from the beginning when Gretchen first reached out to the family. And as you can imagine, I should put a qualifier here, other than myself, most of the professionals that my dad surrounded himself with were a colorful group of folks. And I use the word professional loosely. So um, when it's uh, um, when I think about it, and I think about how this play was first introduced, it was introduced to us as if it was a college play. I had no idea it was a Broadway-bound play. And to the extension of my family, to my baba. <laughs> what a blessing. And to my brother John. Thank you both for coming out. Hello, everybody. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal job. And so it's just a, for me to sit here, and I've known John for some time. John's been since the first show in New York, and it just is, it's a homecoming. We all lose, if, if, the, if the natural life cycle plays out the way it should, we all lose our parents at some point in life, and it's never easy. So to lose my dad a little over a year ago, and then just to have all these blessings continue, new book projects and new ventures, um, yeah, it's, it's difficult to surmise the gratitude that the Gregory family has. And so, again, I just say thank you all. I appreciate you. We love you. And this is just, this is just, I'm glad you all had the opportunity to sit here today because we felt selfish that um, we hadn't gotten it to D.C. yet. So when Arena Stage, um, when the conversation happened and it just all happened so quickly, it's just delightful. This is our spiritual home here for the Gregory family. So it's just delightful to bring it here. Thank you so much. And uh, certainly here at Arena, we are very grateful uh, to be able to present this and to have you with us. Uh, you know that at opening night, um, your mother was here, some of your siblings were here, and it was really, really great to be in the room with so much that the Gravity family represented. So um, we are just as grateful. Um, the next question I had for you, sir, is um, wondering what, um, what do you most see of your father on this stage? and? Similarly, what is missing, right? What do we not get to see of Dick Gregory when we see these cliff notes? That's an excellent question. Um, so what I see on this stage is primarily what all of you have seen if you've been a Dick Gregory fan. A lot of these jokes haven't changed, and they still hit as if it was just written yesterday. The Columbus joke, going out into the car and discovering you in your car. Like, I read about these jokes in grade school in my dad's books that were always essays in our school books. And so to see them now in front of a live audience still be as, as visceral, still hit to the same, it's powerful. So what I see is 
a lot of blood, sweat, and tears from my dad's life that created this script, then a tremendous amount of passion from the folks who pulled this together and made this show. Because without both of them, we wouldn't be here right now. And I would say they both are equally responsible for what I see. When, and then uh, I also see, as a loving son, I always had almost butterflies, oddly enough, as confident as my dad was whenever he'd go out on the stage, especially later in life, because he had quite a few health issues that we never discussed. And I'm just gonna touch on it very briefly. Fasting is very healthy for the human body. As a healthcare provider, I'm clear on that. Starving yourself for social change is profoundly different from fasting. So he had done tremendous damage to his vasculature system, and that's ultimately what he passed away from. That's what he died from. And the first person I spoke to after he died was Martin Luther King III. And we, my dad was kind of like the surrogate father for all these folks in the civil rights movement who lost their parents. Um, and the conversation was the, uh, basically a synopsis of it was the same evil nasty system that gunned your father down ultimately killed my dad and that and it was heavy but my dad was clear on that he was clear that when he was hunger striking he was doing it because he was prepared to die for the movement that wasn't lip service for him and as was so beautifully depicted up here my dad's relationship with Megar Evers was profoundly special and my dad almost had a sense of survivor's remorse from not dying with Megger that day. And a lot of the, some would say reckless, but a lot of the really living out there on the edge, and my dad used to call it being a stunt man, a lot of the stunts he would do, um, part of it was he really wasn't afraid to die because he felt he was almost on borrowed time because he felt like had Richard Jr. not died, for certain he would have been killed with Megger. So. Um, so I see, I see so many things when I watch this play, and again, I want to take advantage of having both of these gentlemen up here with us, because I see something different in the performance every time that I see it, and it's just, it's magical to me, and, and not to be overly hard on myself, I'm probably the least cultured of the Gregory children, so I don't spend a lot of time in the theater, so for me to come here and say, wow, this is really amazing, and so, um, and I know it's not easy, I know it's not easy at all, so again, um, I just want to say thank you to both of you. Absolutely. Thanks. So uh, I have one last question for Aaron. I think this is actually a, a good one we can open up it is, um, you know, each of you in your own way does have a relationship with, with Dick Gregory and with this piece. Um, and for me, I think that one of the things that people most appreciated about Dick Gregory uh, and his work, one of the reasons people responded so positively to this piece is his honesty, right? That he, he was a man who he let nobody off the hook including himself, um, that he said what needed to be said, even when we didn't want to hear it necessarily. Um, and so uh, looking at where we are as a country now, as a society, um, what what do you think is missing? What um, If Dick Gregory were still here, um, the man that you know in the different ways that each of you knew him and his work, uh, what would he be saying to us, whether or not we wanted to hear it? I'll quickly take that and pass this mic down. So. Um, the week we lost my dad was the, we had just had Charlottesville, there was a alt-right rally that was happening in Boston, which is our home, we grew up just outside of um, Boston, Massachusetts. And my dad looked at the TV and there was always inappropriate laughter at every time of the day. I mean, he was the only man I knew who could go to a funeral and have more people laughing than crying. And so, and that's a gift, that's an absolute gift. But 
he was able to see through what he was looking at and still see the bigness, almost like we've removed the sheet from this beast. We are no longer afraid of it. And the embarrassment that a lot of the world felt seeing it, the recent rally we had here where there was almost single digits the amount of folks that showed up, it was almost it was almost laughable. And I think it's, and I should say laughable because it's so shameful, but when you when you put it into scale and you look at what it was then and what he grew up seeing, almost to now, he almost thought, isn't that cute? And then he would just go into why it's kind of the last stand. And his attention span, even towards the end, he would always pick up on the slightest, as he used to say, finding the cracks in the fiber, the fabric, and find the story under the story. I wish everyone had the opportunity to watch an hour of CNN with the man because it was always the most colorful experience. The true comedy with Dick Gregory was never on a stage. It was with him off of the stage. 90% of the time it was wildly inappropriate. And, and, and for me growing up as one of the Gregory children, I was shocked when I learned my dad swore. Because growing up on the farm in Massachusetts, I never heard the man say so much as a damn until I was probably 20 years old. And my nieces and nephews will tell you, I was, that wasn't in the genes. That gift wasn't passed to the next generation. It just shows his committedness to being loving and lovable, as he would say, and the love he had for humanity. Um, hi. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thanks for hanging out. Oh, uh, cheers. Thanks. Yeah. Um, um, I never met uh, Baba. But um, I've loved him since I was 10 years old. So, you know, I always wanted to grow up to be the kind of artist and the kind of man that he was. Um, I found out about him backwards. I found out about what he did with health first. Then I found out about him as an activist. Then I found out about him as a comic. And um, kind of part of the question I think I'll talk about is just that um, uh, he said the things that everyone needed to hear whether you want to hear them or not, but there was a, um, uh, there's a uh, universality in everything that he says. It's, you know, even like turning a phrase, even the uh, moment when he says in this piece, uh, $250, I mean, you, you can't even hate for free. I mean, there's something, there's something even in that for people who think that they have an alignment or an allegiance with someone, not understanding that even they want something out of you. You know, you, you you have to pay for it. Then you have to buy your own sheet. I mean, I mean, there's something even 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 in that to just kind of give people um, um a different type of a um, moment of a pause and of a reflection. So, um, um, that was that's the most beautiful thing for me. Uh, in 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 knowing about him and wanting to be him, and uh, you know, getting this gig was pretty serendipitous because I didn't know that it, it, it existed and it just it found me and I, you know when we talk about we were talking about our, our parents earlier I've been talking I've been saying this thing for a little while like last year I was doing a show in Chicago and in the middle of the run of the play my mom died and um, I know she would she would not have wanted me to, to leave the show and go back to her funeral she'd have been like you should be at work <laughs> yeah and so so uh, then I moved to Paris, and I came back in April, and then this whole thing happened. But I, I've been saying recently that I know my mother, and I think that as soon as Baba transitioned, 
Mama, Mama Margaret found him. It was like, you know, I, my son's an actor, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and he was probably like, who are you? <laughs> and I'll bet Mama followed him around <laughs> until he said, all right, damn, all right. <laughs> you know, um, because I didn't know that the show existed, and I got a phone call saying that uh, Joe Morton couldn't do it if I was interested. And then, you know, three days later, I got a phone call saying, it's yours. So, yeah, so, yes. Right, yeah, so it's a blessing for me. Um, so, there's, you know, there's, there's, that, there's, that, there's that universality um, in all great storytellers and all great comics. Um, um, him being, you know, top, top two, you know. I mean, I don't, I don't know who the other one really is. I mean, like, like, like you know, you can debate everybody else, but he's one. <laughs> but um, um, so um, I don't know. Mm. Mm. Um, well, uh, we we would joke that uh, you know we've been working on this play. I, I first started in 2014, uh, long before any Cheeto head was even a, a <laughs> thought in anybody's mind and stuff like that. Um, and we just joked how you know each time we we would revisit this play that it seemed that the world was conspiring to make it more relevant each time. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it, 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 the the prophetic nature of, of Dick Gregory's uh, just just brilliance and and, and wisdom. Um, I think there's this degree of um, truth telling. And 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 maybe we're we're in, in a place where you know, like you said, the veil is it, it's it's visible to many people for a long time, and now it's just getting more visible to you know the other people who needed a little encouragement to see it. Um, and it's been fascinating to witness uh, people uh, opening up to Dick Gregory and, and learning about him who didn't know and. That's actually, you know, it's generational too. You know, I talk about this play that I've been working on, and, and I have to kind of, I have to school people, you know, black and white. Sometimes you're just sort of like, what? You don't know who Dick Gregory is. Uh, but yeah, it's been a gift. Yeah, um, um, I'll say one other thing. It's, um, um, you know, the uh, challenge that um, Baba Gregory, um, um, initiates is really very interesting um, because he's geez I had the thought and it's gone because I'm, I'm not too bright um, <laughs> um, 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 and he just you know yeah right I mean, and, and, you know he, he, he just he, he challenges us uh, because there's a lot it, it came back there, there, there are far many more good people in the world than there are bad people in the world. But there are far many more silent people than there are people willing to speak and to really, and, and, and to really do the work um, um, and say, all right, I've seen it. I can't unsee it. Not only can I not unsee it, I won't unsee it. And... Um, um, and you know, uh, I th I think about how I think about lynching 
in this country and the uh, the uh, kind of um, parade-esque kind of nature of how it was when you you know you'd um, 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 take someone down to be lynched mm. there was a you know a parade of people but then I think about the people that were inside their homes that just said you know come away from the window you know or just close the window <coughs> those people have as much if not more responsibility than the people that were doing it and I think that's kind of what you know the uh, chore for people in their own humanity not as any an ally for me you know be an ally for yourself and you know whatever that uh, uh, human thing is because if you say if you cover your ears you cover your eyes then you know it's not going to stop it from happening and some people if they're not challenged as long as their thing doesn't change they can kind of um, um, they can um, um, resolve it in, in, in inside themselves and I think that and I think a lot of ways Baba was like yeah you know, snatching the band-aid off saying yeah we're all responsible you know I am my brother's keeper wonderful um, so I think we've got time for a few questions from the audience um, oh yes up there up top hello brother hello Gregory how are you dear So the question, just so everybody can hear it, um, was uh, did Dick Gregory know that this uh, play was happening? So, yeah, thank you. Yes, he did. Um, we were involved with it um, um, pretty significantly from the beginning, but my dad had the opportunity to see the play in, Los in, uh, in New York City, so the first iteration of it. Um, so, so, so he had the opportunity to witness this, which was, um, and, and I'll post, anyone who follows my dad's social media pages, I'll post the interview that he did and let him tell how he felt in his own words, but I would surmise it to say that two, there were two big takeaways. One of it was from Joe Morton, who was playing the, the role that Edwin's now playing. Um, I was amazed at his nerves of steel, because to play someone with them sitting right there in the front row, is, especially that person being Dick Gregory. Um, 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 so I, 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 I felt a lot of empathy. Um, um, for Joe that night, um, and and then for my dad, he was just you know, he realized the bigness when people say give people their flowers or their roses while they're alive. He 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 was clear on that. He was clear for the amount of love and respect that not just America but the world. They recognize his sacrifice, and he he sacrificed a tremendous amount. He gave a lot of. When you look at the scene at the Playboy Club. Um, the nerves of steel. I mean, now we can't even properly calibrate our brain to think of how... It's hard as hell just to be a comedian um, in front of a crowd that doesn't necessarily like or understand you. But imagine in front of a crowd that has hated you. And so just the mere sight of you elicits hatred. So the bigness of that in every level and generation of his life, he found something else to take on. So he never stopped. And that's the thing. There's no retirement plan for activists. None. So he just never stopped. The, the, the week we lost him, he had 10 shows um, that he we had to cancel that week. So he he died the way that he lived, all the way up until the end. And that the family gets a lot of solace and peace um, as a result of that. So uh, long answer, he loved the play. 
he saw it, he was bowled over just with emotions. And we stayed up to about, um, me, my mom, and dad, we stayed up to about 4 a.m. that night just, just in disbelief and just joy would probably be the best word that comes to mind. So um, he had a wonderful experience. Um, great point that she pointed out. For anyone who couldn't hear what was said, she was just saying that pretty much anywhere Dick Gregory went, um, the man was a self-described agitator. That's, that's, that. He wore that like a badge of honor. I mean, he, he, he agitated the hell out of the hospital the last week we were there. But if you look at his, the agitation he did, he always ended it with love. He always ended it with a silver lining. He always ended it allowing you to know there was still hope for something better. Um, he would always tell college kids, us old folks have made a mess of this. You have a big job to do, but you can do it. And instilling the youth, because we have, we, my, our generation, has also equally responsible for leaving that mess. And it was when my dad left entertainment for the civil rights movement, he became vegan because he said, if I'm not going to be violent towards other human beings, I'm not going to be violent towards animals. So he stopped smoking, stopped drinking, became vegan. And when he came back to the comedy circuit, the entertainment circuit, he refused to perform at nightclubs because of people smoking and drinking. So that decision, and he hadn't thought it all the way through, is the reason he only worked college campuses for about 30 years. And when we're college students, that's when we're, you know, we're at pupils. That's when our minds are the most impressionable. So I've bumped into so many people in my life that said, your father spoke at, say whatever school you want, and the takeaway from that, and it still resonated with them to this day because of him being such a free-wielding agitator. And so um, at the, with the estate and where we are now, kind of Dick Gregory 2.0, we feel like we've gone from agitation to stimulation. And so we really want to use the stories and the seeds that he's left us to really stimulate thought and allow people not to close the shutters, not to close the blinds, right. and feel like, yes, you do have a moral obligation to make things better. I think we have time for one more question. Yes, ma'am, right here. My question is, wonderful job. Thanks, thank you. My question is, did the piece change after Mr. Gregory saw it? So the question was, uh, if the piece has changed at all since Dick Gregory's death, um, and since, since he saw it. And the answer to that is simple. It had he had his way, it would have changed dramatically. <laughs> it would have been a lot more colorful, and probably a lot of folks probably would have walked out. But the, um, um, but no, there wasn't. I mean, it, it's been tweaked in every iteration, different. It was in New York, it was in Los Angeles, now it's here in D.C. Um, the actual theater brings a different energy to it. Um, the actor obviously brings different energy to it. But absolutely, absolutely. It speaks... Well deserved, well deserved. It speaks to the writing, the direction, and the rest of the team um, that are behind this, that everywhere we have brought this play, the results have been exactly what you've experienced in this audience tonight. And so no one person, other than maybe Dick Gregory, is responsible for the bigness of this production. The question was, what's the next stop? And um, 
we, we were pre-Broadway in New York. The plans is for it to go to Broadway and then to go abroad and to go on tour. John Legend is the producer of this play, the executive producer. The song you heard at the end playing was a John Legend song that he wrote for Dick Gregory um, that is tailored for this production. And it's called The Greatest, and I get emotional every time I hear it because my dad, my dad can't dance, couldn't dance a lick. That's why I love when Edwin does dancing because it gives me a chance to imagine had my dad been able to dance what it might have looked like. Any of us Gregory second dance, we get it from my mom's side of the family, clearly. So the, it, but it's powerful because the only move I've ever seen him do, he used, to, he used to do, he was a bongo player. So my dad in the army played the bongos, he used to sing. He was, he was, a, he was always funny, always an entertainer, and never one to not allow, a, to allow a platform to get by him. And so the play is really going to, so it's being turned into a feature film. There's a documentary we're currently working on. There's two television shows, two more books under contract with Harper Collins. So all of those seeds that Dick Ruby planted will continue to come out. All right, we've got one more question. You seem so desperate. She's jumping. She doesn't. I, am, uh, I have a story to tell, and I don't know if it's true, but I have a cousin named Rock Newman. He graduated from Howard. I know Rock well. And he claims that he went to Iran with your father back when the prisoners were held. They ate in the kitchen of the whatever. I mean, it just went on and on, and we didn't know whether he was telling a fish story or you know, Rock's a phenomenal storyteller. Um, my dad's a phenomenal storyteller. Um, the only reason I know for a fact that story is true because I have about 20 postcards that I would receive every week that my dad sent me from a prison cell in Iran. Not just me, all those 10 Gregory children. So we knew more about Iran than any American because we have all these beautiful postcards. Say, wow, Iran is amazing. And so why is our dad locked up there for six months? And so that story is true. Um, I won't talk about Rock because he's not here, but he didn't stay the full length of time. Rock was there for about a week and he hightailed it out of there. But uh, my dad was there for six months. And it's all these, I mean, I could go on forever, so I won't, but it's all the, there was never downtime. I mean, so when, you, when the woman upstairs, upstairs mentioned a moment ago, Dick Gregory would just show up. That's what he did. He almost, I don't want to say on the prowl because that's not an accurate, but we knew he would be agitated about something. He would say he's going to Whole Foods, and we knew what that meant. And, and he would just slowly walk up and down the aisle. So now if you met him and you said, hello, Mr. Gregory, pleasure to meet you. I'm a big fan. Great. For some reason, especially here in D.C., folks always wanted to go one more step. You know what you said about 9-11? It was true, but when you said, oh, man, World War III, I mean, he would just let, and that's what it, those were the folks he was looking for, the folks who had the audacity to teach him a lesson. So that, that became his lifeblood later in life, and, and, and we get a lot, we, we laughed a lot about it, but truthfully, it speaks a lot about the life cycle. I frequently say no country for old legends. We walk up to legends as if they're the same that they should be when they were 50 years old and at their prime. I've picked my dad up from being knocked over by overzealous fans. And I, I understand the excitement, but we have to be mindful of age. So a lot of the anger that you saw in the silver-haired, bearded version of Dick Gregory, a lot of it was due to the vascular disease he had from the fasting. So he had advanced dementia, cerebral vascular disease, and had some variations and if they were treating him with an Alzheimer medication. So a lot of that anger was him, a man who, as Edwin said beautifully, 
ran and used his mouth as a switchblade. Well, he lost the ability to run, so the mouth was doing double duty. And so he really, he really developed almost a secondary skill. And part of it, when he would get tired of walking and he wouldn't want to tell you, he would find someone else to verbally get aggressive with because he was really catching his breath and regaining his legs so he could go. So it's a just from a human life cycle perspective, and maybe that's just the healthcare provider and be looking at it that way. It's really, that's another story to be told, and at some point we will do just that. But it was, so yes, that, when you mentioned Iran, and that was, and um, we grew up in the Gregory House with a huge painting, maybe six feet by six feet, of the Shah of Iran hanging in our den that was sent to us from the Shah. So it's just, there were stories in the Gregory, and that, that's another film, just growing up in the Gregory household. So, uh, But yes, that is a true story, so you can let Roth know I vouch for him. Thank you all so much for being with us. Thank you, folks. Thank you. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to our first live podcast. We hope you learned some new things about the life of Dick Gregory. See Turn Me Loose at Arena Stage now through October 21st. And as always, if you have any questions for us, tweet them at Arena Stage and include the hashtag ArenaOnAir. Thanks for listening!